Broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Live from Studio C. See, Senior... Dimly lit room, deeper than the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. And today on a Friday, we're under the tutelage of our general manager, Brandon. Who's Brandon? The Brandon everybody wants to go. Let's go, Brandon. Those signs are popping up everywhere. And in case you're not hip to this, that's code for F. Joe Biden. If you're not familiar with the story, we'll relay it out. Okay. Um, and that's catching on? Yes, it is. It was at the uh, tragic, if you're a Giants fan, Dodgers-Giants game last night, uh, among other places. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm against this in, in uh, general, the whole F. Joe Biden uh, chant, but... Uh, Come on. Well, we've, we've euphemized it, if that's a word. We've yeah. dressed it up for Sunday. It's Let's Go Brandon. Ba-ba-da-ba-ba. Well, maybe we should get to that. Uh, is that our clip so we can explain the whole thing? Sure. Let's begin um, the show. Let's get to that. Yeah, we'll begin the show officially. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. On this Friday in October, the year 2020, we are Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Let's get underway now officially, according to FCC rules and regs. At Mark. They're going to help kick this thing off. All right, guys, ready? In three, two, one. Drivers, start your engines. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> Little kids starting a uh, a car race, and <laughs> the one little kid throws in "Let's go, Brandon!" at the end. Come on! And this the is old- all from uh, an F. Joe Biden chant at a race where the announcer either misunderstood it or was yes. covering. You think she was covering? I think yeah, she the misunderstood. The reporterette said, "Yeah, you can hear the fans chant Let's go, Brandon.'" Uh, the guy who won the race being named Brandon. So that was a convenient way for her to remain on the air and finish the interview, uh, in my opinion. But it doesn't really matter. That's become a euphemism now for F. Joe Biden. And future historians will be looking back on this period and see signs and T-shirts. For instance, at armstrongandgetty.com, you can get an Armstrong and Getty Let's Go Brandon T-shirt right now. It's available. Uh, So historians will say, who was this Brandon? Why was everybody so encouraging toward him? Fantastic, fantastic. Um, we, but we need this—we need this sort of thing, don't we? In the modern world, the troubled, troubled modern world. I don't know the level of discourse we've got now. It's just we're—we're—we're we're, we're doomed. We're absolutely doomed. I just—I'm uh, <laughs> not Mr. on board with Mr. the F. Joe Biden. Sunshine. <laughs> I'm not on board with the F. Joe F. Whoever's president chants at stadiums all across America. We're never going to get anywhere this way. Oh no, I think I think that's awful. It's uh, first of all I don't appreciate the obscenities. Um I just think the let, <laughs> but here's my delight. This is my only delight. Read no more into my delight than the words that follow. I think it's hilarious that let's go Brandon has become a euphemism for it. That's it. I just think it's funny. Human beings are funny when they're not being horrifically ugly. Uh, so we have some updates for you uh, on a number of the big stories. Uh, the giant Make Us France package continues to make its way through Congress, and they'll be voting on that in a couple of weeks, and there's uh, some news on that to talk to you about. 
There was a giant terrorist attack in Afghanistan overnight, killing a whole bunch of people. Not that uh, we care about Afghanistan anymore, because we're out of there. But uh, Speaking of the ugliness of human beings, both Prince William and Mr. Sulu are ganging up on James Shatner. Oh, really? I'm sorry, Bill Shatner. For being I'd, shot into space. I'd heard Prince William, uh, who was upset that uh, th- this whole narrative that has caught on of why are we sending billionaires into space when there are people who still have college debt or whatever your particular <laughs> complaint is. Yeah. Um, I never hear the because we should part of it. I just I don't quite understand the argument. How How is Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk not sending humans into space going to help uh, kids get more pre-K? I just I don't I don't get it. Well, obviously, the billionaires of the world should be pouring their money into that instead of, uh, you know, space travel and scientific innovation. Because scientific innovation has never paid any dividends to mankind. Right. Idiotic. It's, you know, it, it's like uh, Prince uh, William there and, and Kate uh, Middleton. Like they're in some sort of race with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle to see which one of them can be more tiresome. And they're really, <laughs> and they're really still quite young. So, I mean, by the time they're in their, say, late fifties, I mean, they could be truly epochal tiresome. Yeah, I would say. The very sight of them makes you want to curl up into the fetal position. If they don't, uh, grow up some or, or just shut some, up, get some perspective of some sort. Of course, who are, who are the people who pay attention to them? Please round those people up and deny them the vote. I suppose we got to at least touch on it because we're on the West Coast. If you are a sports fan on the West Coast and we're into the Giants-Dodgers, which, as we mentioned yesterday, is the winningest series in the history of Major League Baseball. Uh, two teams with 109 wins facing each other. It, it, it ended on a called, he went around strike and... Um, that's a heck of a way to end a series anyway in a yeah. close game, in a close series. But uh, the fact that the call was wrong makes it all the worse. So um, there you go. The check swing is the hardest call an umpire has to make. I but believe that especially... one wasn't hard. That was easy. That was terrible. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, that was that was painful. Jeez. You know, was... I've, I've never umped on that, that level. But you don't want to ring a guy up in that situation on an iffy check swing. You just don't. You, you just don't. It's part of the game, the unwritten rules. Yeah, that's rough. Ooh! I don't think the ump even saw it. I have a feeling that he missed it and just panicked and made that call. Just guessed. Oh, wow, conspiracy theory. I, I don't remember a major sporting event. Ending on such a shady call ever in my life? Do you? No, it was it was a horrible anticlimax. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, just as a groaner, it's awful. And even the announcers—I think we have the tape actually—but the, the announcers are like, "Oh god, it can't end like that. Oh, it shouldn't end like that." Yeah, play that clip. That's a little montage of the end of the game, and then the announcers when they look at the replay for me, will you? Just so people can hear that in case they haven't. And Flores, did he go? He did! And the game ends! What a way to end the game. Oh, boy, that's bad. I don't think he went. It's bad. Can't end the game that way. Well, they did. Yeah, they did. (laughs) And when you've got the the TV announcers, that was the national broadcast. When you've got the TV, you know, so not the home team broadcast. No. Where, of course, they're going to hate the call. The national broadcast saying, no, nah, that was a bad call. Both guys immediately. That's not good. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's rough. Wow, wow, wow. 
Yeah. And I feel bad for the umpire. I'm sure he's a fine, decent human being, but uh, that's that's a heck of a thing. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, Unbelievable. I know. I know. <clears throat> hey, just got this text from my buddy Mike, the lawyer in Chicago. Hey, Prince William, you royal dolt. Why do we have a phony, super wealthy, entitled royal family while people still have college debt? STFU. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> That's oh, pretty Mike, good. Oh, I, well played. I, I meant to mention this a couple of weeks ago when the story came out. So uh, uh, this is not getting the attention I thought it would. Prince Charles announced he wants to turn Buckingham Palace into a museum. So it seemed pretty clear to me that his plan is as soon as the old lady kicks it, we're kind of really, really dialing back this whole royal family thing. That's wow. enough. This is the end of the road. Yeah. Um, because Buckingham Palace will become a museum, which is a great idea. It'd be a huge tourist attraction and really cool to get to see. And this is where, you know, King whoever did whatever um, uh, would be really awesome. And, you know, they'll, they'll live in a, a, a nice apartment somewhere. <laughs> and then eventually the royal thing will just kind of go away. Right. And then and in about three generations, queen, in about uh, three generations, yeah. uh, some prince will be working in a, a garage. You know, rotating tires and say, yeah, it's kind of funny. Three generations ago, we were living in Buckingham Palace, but... He'll be doing oil changes. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, apparently the Queen was not uh, very happy with that news, but Prince Charles wants to turn Buckingham Palace into a museum. They'll move out of it and just, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think without saying while the old lady is still alive, what he's saying is we're kind of wind this down. This has really outlived its usefulness. Well, at the point that one of the princes, uh, you know, uh, what's his face, the redhead Harry, says, I got no interest in this line of work. Of course, no. he's still cashing in on it like crazy. But, yeah, the whole thing is just kind of falling apart of its own weight. Well, it's just fine. dumb. It's dumb. It's, it's dumb as hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, how does mailbag look? Oh, it's, it's quite strong. Plus, of course, since it's Friday morning, we have uh, Clips of the Week. That is awesome. And that is next. Our text line, 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, how you doing? A lot of good stuff to talk about. The big Biden commission on whether it's a good idea to pack the Supreme Court is uh, back with their their report. And we'll uh, bring that to you in a couple of minutes. Plus, mailbag is on the way. You got your freedom, love, and quote of the day. Going back to the founding documents. Remind us what this country's supposed to be about. Dang it. But first, let's take a fond look back at the week that was. It's Cow Clips of the Week. I'm Kim Kardashian West. I'm a mother, millionaire, law student, and billionaire. You're going to literally see the craters on the moon with your own eyes. And it makes me want to vomit red hot blood. In order to be globally competitive, we need to think big and bold with my infrastructure bill and my Build Back Better Act. And then he steps on a rake, and then he slips on a banana peel, and then he falls down the stairs with some marbles. Because we need to do a better job at messaging and going forward, how do you sell this? Well, I think you all could do a better job of selling it. You're getting poorer, whether you realize it or not. But that's what inflation does. It causes poverty. Actually, the thing is that I have to pee, and these guys are not moving. You have to pee. Yeah. This is your emergency that you have to pee? Yeah. 
Does it bother you that the news network you work for out and out lied, well, just outright lied about me taking horse dewormer? They, they, they shouldn't have said that. Why did they do that? I don't know. It also makes me feel bad that things are so bad for people that they have that this is happening. It's no. incredibly sad. No, it's not incredibly sad. They can fire me. They're going to have to fire me. I'm not going out quietly. Turn that frown upside down. You're depressed? Cheer up. Cheer up. Smile. Facebook's also denying a report that says using Instagram can cause users to develop a negative body image, which explains their rival's new slogan, TikTok. Bring your fat ass over here. Even more troubling emails showing Gruden using offensive language to insult NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, also calling the league's first openly gay player, Michael Sam, a queer. I can't uh, tell you how sick I am. I apologize again. Get out of this aisle, you be over it, maniac. I said take out the pee-pee tape. Please take out the pee-pee tape. Want a little of this? <laughs> <laughs> You see this black, and that's space and eternity and uh, and the mystery of the cosmos, and but it's black and it's death. And Flores, did he go? He did, and the game ends. Oh, oh man, boy, that's bad. I don't think he went. That's bad. Can't end the game that way. The Dodgers are going to the National League Championship Series. Yeah, frustrating for Gigantes fans. On the other hand, Wilmer Flores, the batsman in question, was down one and two to one of the great pitchers in the game. But uh, nonetheless, should have gone at least one more pitch. What are you going to do? With humans involved, stuff gets screwed up. That's just, you know, that's life. Here's your freedom, love, and quote of the day. Going back to the founding document, specifically the Bill of Rights this week, I'm going to group together amendments 9 and 10. Because they are incredibly important and incredibly, brutally overlooked. Nine, the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. Okay? You have lots and lots of rights. This is not the final list. And the Tenth Amendment, this this poor amendment, this is the... I've always hated the expression redheaded stepchild. Why you would treat a stepchild of one hair color or another worse than any other is beyond me. But uh, Amendment number 10 has been completely forgotten in spite of its importance. The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. In other words... The federal government has extremely limited powers, and it's extremely important, future generations, that you keep it that way. Sign the founding fathers, who are now doing 1,200 RPMs in their graves. Mailbag. Hey! We're going to say yes, this is from uh, Al Anonymous in Oregon. Uh, he identifies himself a little more specifically, but... Well, as your attorney, I suggest you don't. But he's just wanted to say a big thank you to all of us, the whole team. He says anytime he hears Hitler, he, he says ding audibly at work. People think he's nuts, but he doesn't care. Michael, you simply rock, he writes. Keep up the great work. That's all nice, all sorts of nice things about all of us. Said, and finally, thank you to helping me get through my day today. It was yesterday. 
Wonderful distraction. Helped keep my mind on my work and my tears mostly away while the thought of my wife cheating on me last Sunday and telling me about it last night remained in my memory. Holy cow, Al. Sorry to, sorry to hear that. Thank you for sharing. Certainly hope you and the missus can get past that somehow or not, depending on your desires. Oof, a little uncomfortable moving along. Dick from Pennsylvania writes, Guys, you mentioned the U.S. should be split in half. Run an experiment. Those who wish to run a country like Mayor London Breed of San Francisco and those who wish to keep governing under the pre-Obama rules that made the U.S. great. I would, you know, you could certainly re-describe uh, that as progressive principles and conservative principles. Guys, the Korean Peninsula is a perfect example. Following a split in 1945, the North's been run by communists, and the South chose the free market system. How's that working out? Well said, Dick. Well said. Uh, inflation, you ain't seen nothing yet, writes Jay. Our materials have gone up 20 to 25% across the board. Doesn't say what business they're in, but... Gosh, this applies to so many businesses, I don't suppose it matters. Because of the worker quote-unquote shortage, we're having to pay our existing workers more and pay them massive overtime to work extra hours. Many of them now work a sixth day per week. We haven't raised our prices yet, but we're going to have to significantly. We're just waiting to determine how much we need to uh, do that to avoid having two price hikes in a year, which looks bad. I guess we're not the only small business planning to pull the trigger on major price hikes before the end of the year. You know, Jay, I'll, I'll bet you're absolutely correct. Brace yourselves, folks. Elections and policies have consequences. What about the Supreme Court? We'll talk about it next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Hope you're well. Whether you are listening live or in the future via podcast, got a lot of good stuff to get to today. First, a quick clarification. The uh, Brandon in the expression, let's go Brandon, the chant, which is actually, you know, euphemism for F. Joe Biden, which is very rude and we don't approve. The fact that people are now saying, let's go Brandon, is very funny to me. Uh, that is not the same Brandon as Brandon, the news donkey, the longtime Armstrong and Getty news donkey. When news breaks, the donkey brays. And I believe it was uh, the dearly departed positive Sean. He's not dead, but he doesn't work here anymore, uh, who, who named the donkey Brandon. Different Brandon. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. So the Presidential Commission on the Supreme... Oh, oh, that's right. I knew there was something else I wanted to say. Uh, Hanson, our executive producer and, and, and merch designer, has redesigned the Let's Go Brandon A&G t-shirt. It's my favorite t-shirt we've done. It looks so great. Anyway, uh, if you want to get one, go to armstrongandgetty.com. It helps keep everybody on the payroll during these difficult times. Maybe you've read about that. Uh, it's, it's, it's a nice way to keep the team from shrinking. So anyway, uh, where was I? Ah, yes. Uh, at long last, the Presidential Commission on the Supreme Court, which was looking into the idea of court packing, etc., as... Progressive America freaked out when Donald J. got to appoint three different justices, and now it's a pretty solid 6-3 to three conservative majority. Although I would point out that it is not anything, it's not within a million miles of the dystopian fascist nightmare that we're promised it will be 
Every time a Brett Kavanaugh rears his ugly head or an Amy Coney Barrett emerges from her, her bat cave of conservative hate to assume a seat on the bench. Now, these people are quite reasonable. And, and, and several of them, including Roberts, Gorsuch, uh, Kavanaugh himself, often end up being quite moderate in the rulings. But anyway, Progressive America freaked out and demanded that we, uh, we pack the court, which is uh, one of the few things FDR did that even the liberals of the time said, that's evil, we're not doing that. So, great-grandpa Joe Biden uh, appointed a commission to look into the idea, and they came back reporting the stunningly obvious, practically a transcript of every discussion we've had on this show about the... Uh, the topic, although they did add a couple of things that I found interesting. Uh, they released their first report yesterday afternoon suggesting that an expansion of the court would be unlikely to achieve balance and instead recommended the rotation of justices. Quote, there are also reasons to doubt that court expansion necessarily would produce benefits in terms of diversity of efficiency. Whatever that means. There is no guarantee that a larger court would be drawn from a more diverse group of individuals. And a larger court may be less efficient than the current complement of justices. In other words, don't do it. Uh, the commission also pointed to other risks to expanding the court, including recent polling that indicates the public does not favor court expansion while noting that expanding the court could lead to, quote, a continuous cycle of future expansions, as we pointed out. Quoting the report now, To be sure, any Supreme Court reform would likely require unified government. Nevertheless, we believe it is important to recognize the risk. According to one purportedly modest estimate of the consequences of expansion as parties gain Senate majorities and add justices, the Supreme Court could expand to 23 or 29 justices in the next 50 years and 39 or possibly 63 justices over the next next century. The idea being, so... uh the lefties get control. Conservatives have this alleged six to three majority. Well, it isn't a six to three majority. Well, they figure, all right, well, we got to add at least, uh, I don't know, let's, let's do the math, four, four justices to the current nine. Uh, so we have a uh, seven to six majority. That's 13. It's a non number perfect. We're adding four. Then the conservatives win back power. Republican Party, to the extent that it's conservative anymore. They're thinking, wait a minute, seven to six? No way, no way. We need to, uh, we're just going to add a couple. All we want's an eight to seven. And before you know it, as they point out, you got 63 justices. They're all, they're like crammed into some basketball stadium. Takes them months and months and months to rule on anything. It's just a terrible idea. Uh, one idea floated by the commission that I found kind of interesting as an alternate to expansion is a rotation system which would see judges rotate between service on the Supreme Court and in lower federal courts, like your circuit courts. I thought that was interesting, but the report also noted such a reform could face a constitutional obstacle, noting that Article 3, Section 1 of the Constitution states, the judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court, and in such interior courts as Congress may from time to time ordain and establish. So anyway, uh, the court packing thing is dead. It is gone. Goodbye. Rest in peace. You, it was idiotic uh, to begin with. Now, on more important fare than the Supreme Court justice, the launching of William Shatner into space. We found it amusing, inspiring, interesting. 90-year-old dude shot into space. It's had something. On the other hand, the world's 
currently second most tiresome prince, but heading quickly to the four, Prince William has blasted the move in clip 40, Michael. You know, we are seeing a rise in, in climate anxiety. You know, people, young people now are growing up where their futures are basically being threatened the whole time. It's very unnerving and it's, it's, it's very, you know, anxiety-making. We need some of the world's greatest brains and minds fixed on trying to repair this planet, not trying to find the next place to go and live. Yeah, he, the, he led up to that by saying this is a terrible... Jeff Bezos, Captain Kirk, terrible. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'll get back to Captain Kirk in a minute, but I was just thinking of this. We got a terrific email from uh, da, 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 Brian, who saw this in Rolling Stone. So uh, Prince Tiresome there is talking about climate anxiety and how much we're seeing. And we've made the point that the the adults who have terrified the Greta Thunbergs of the world, how dare you? They're responsible for the anxiety. The climate's not responsible for the anxiety. The adults are who are intentionally terrifying the children so they'll become useful foot soldiers in the old climate change thing. You have stolen my dreams. I have not stolen your dreams, sweetheart. With your empty words? Eh, some truth to that. Anyway, uh, so uh, Brian sent this along. Um, uh, this is a headline from Rolling Stone, which used to have the good sense to just report on rock and roll stars and the occasional Hunter Thompson piece about taking drugs and going to Las Vegas. Uh, Joe Manchin just cooked the planet, is the headline from uh, several days ago having to do with the uh, the senator who's not going to go along with killing the filibuster and won't go along with the gigantic francification bill. Here's the headline again, and then I'll read you just a little bit of it. This is what they are teaching the little children. And then Prince Wills wonders why everybody's so ang- anxious. Joe Manchin just cooked the planet. The senator won't quit fossil fuels and is going to neuter the reconciliation bill, and we're all going to pay the price. West Virginia Senator West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin just cooked the planet. I don't mean that in a metaphorical sense. I mean that literally. Unless Manchin changes his negotiating position dramatically in the near future, he will be remembered as the man who... Picture yourselves as eight-year-olds hearing this. He will be remembered as a man who, when the moment of decision came, chose to condemn virtually every living creature on earth to a hellish future of suffering, hardship, and death. How dare you? Ah, uh, pardon me? <laughs> Joe, Joe Manchin is cooking the planet and has condemned virtually every living creature on earth to a hellish future of suffering, hardship, and death. I don't think it's the one degree Fahrenheit that it's going to warm in the next 50 years that has the children terrified. I think it's the Rolling Stone. Good gracious. I realize this is the age of hyperbole, and you have to be really dramatic to break through, but cooking the planet? Holy crap, you people are over the top. I'm just hoping more and more people realize how nutty it is. Oh, and you know what? That, well, the Biden administration, yeah, we'll get back to Captain Kirk eventually, but they were they just put out a statement saying, essentially, that the uh, the climate change is now a systemic financial threat to the United States justifying the pouring of unlimited 
amount of resources into dealing with it. And gee willikers, I wonder if those unlimited resources will be poured into the pockets of Democratic cronies and their their pet projects and, and those who run them. Gosh dang it, I wonder if that'll happen. Gee whiz. Anyway, more on that later. So uh, Prince Wills, the tiresome Prince Wills, uh, is criticizing the whole uh, said, uh, billionaire space race, as they're calling it. Y- you got your uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Bezos. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Bezos. And uh, Sir Richard Branson, who, as far as I know, doesn't have a catchy song. And uh, Elon Musk uh, getting into the race. The prince said... It's quite crucial to be focusing on this planet rather than giving up and heading out into space to try and think of solutions for the future. He mentions the climate anxiety we were discussing. Um, and, and, and then he whined further about it. It's just silly. But what's really hurtful to me is that the, uh, is that the crew of the Enterprise are at each other's throats. Uh, I remember one episode back in the day. I think there was some sort of uh, anger ray being uh, shown on the Enterprise without their knowledge. Eh, similar plot. Sulu, Sulu, George Takai, still whining about William Shatner decades later. He's boldly gone where other people have gone before. Snarked Takai, age 84. This reminds me of uh, Mick Jagger and Paul McCartney still griping at each other. Would the two of you old dirtbags just shut up? Dirtbags, they're musical geniuses, but shut up. Anyway, back to uh, Sulu. He's a guinea pig, a 90-years-old captain, and it's important to find out what happens. So 90-years-old is going to show a great deal more wear and tear on the human body, so he'll be a good specimen to study, although he's not the fittest specimen of 90-years-old, so he'll be a specimen that's unfit. <laughs> uh, I don't get it, Sulu. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't get the joke. Shatner shot back saying, quote, there's a psychosis there. There must be something else inside George that is festering and makes him unhappy that he takes it out on me. Why would he go out of his way to denigrate me? It's sad. I feel nothing but pity for him. <laughs> Fascinating. Let's, can we have some sort of a peace conference at the UN or something? Icons of the 60s. Be you singers or TV stars, movie stars, whatever. Can we have some sort of truce on your 50-year-old gripes? Hilarious. Hilarious. At least it's a distraction from the uh, real garbage that's going on in the world, which we will continue to to discuss. Uh, Coming up. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. came across this at the very end of the show yesterday, and uh, a lot of you folks don't get uh, Hour 4. You can grab it via podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand from uh, iHeartRadio or wherever podcasts are distributed, Apple, whatever you use. Um, But uh, I I wanted to hit this for early risers or folks who uh, listen to the beginning of the show and don't catch the end because it's so interesting. It's a, a couple, like a super rich power couple in communist China um, who 
were closely tied to some of the super heavyweights of the Communist Party, made zillions of dollars. They got divorced, and and the husband moved to the West for reasons that I, I think his son was going to school in the U.K. Anyway, um, but they stayed in touch. They're raising the kid together, right? Uh, and they got a friendly relationship. It's nice when, when that happens. But anyway, the gal, the wife, disappears four years ago. Disappeared from the streets of Beijing. He has been calling her, the, the, the ex-husband, hundreds of times in the last four years. And the line was dead. Completely dead. And then all of a sudden, hours after the reviews of his book started appearing on Western websites, he gets a message, call me right away, from his disappeared from four years, four, four years wife. The name of the book he's written, Red Roulette, an insider's story of wealth, power, corruption, and vengeance in today's China, which details his wife's disappearance and the shady business deals involving some of the top CCP figures that propelled her to become a billionaire and reportedly China's richest woman. And so uh, Time.com does an interview with this guy, and I found uh, parts of it just so, so interesting. Uh, he, he, they ask, how was Whitney, the wife, when you spoke to her? She sounded okay. She said she'd had no news of the outside world over the last four years. She said, they have been lenient to me. They didn't treat me that badly. Of course, you know, the, the communists are listening to every single word. They probably had an armed guard pointing a gun at her. Then she asked me to stop the book launch, saying, how would you feel if something happened to our son? And what would happen to our son if something happened to me? I took that to be a threat. Well, clearly it, it was, um... And that's the way the Chinese work. Um, then they ask him, do you feel safe in the U.K.? After all, China's rendition people of interest from Thailand and other legal jurisdictions outside its borders before. Picture living like this. He says, friends keep asking, do you have bodyguards? How's your security? But the reality is I'm one individual going out against a state like China. If they decide to do something, the little resistance I can put up with is not going to amount to anything, really. I signed my life away when I decided to publish this book. Wow. Wow. They ask, have you been surprised by the recent sweeping crackdown of business executives such as Jack Ma, who were previously thought of as, quote-unquote, untouchable? And he says, these people were never untouchable. If you look at the list of the richest person in China, I think it's been published for over 20 years now, most of them haven't done well. Maybe 40% ended up in jail. 80% of them dropped from the list uh, for whatever reason. Thinking that anybody is untouchable just for having money is a joke. Then they ask about Xi Jinping's anti-corruption campaign, which he calls Tigers and Flies. Um... And he said, he said, well, and they asked, did that affect the system that you describe in the book? And he says, no, much of what's in the book is baked into the system. It's in the DNA of the party state. It won't change. It can't change. Uh, just look at the centennial celebration. There were seven busloads of red aristocracy, in quotes, the top of the cream of the crop watching the parade beside Xi Jinping. These people are general citizens without specific titles who make no particular contribution to society. The only reason they got invited and sit next to the president is bloodline. And then he talks about how it's it's a family mobbed up dictatorship, um, and and uh, you know I'm looking at the clock. Yeah, we need to summarize. But he talks about how the former premier Wen Jiabao aspired for more democracy within China. Do you believe there are people like that inside the CCP today? And he said, Yeah, I'm sure there are people like that. But the question is, are they a political force? I'm pretty sure they're not. The Western media always play up this idea of a reform. 
uh, force working against the reactionary force, and we should help the reformers. But there is no such political force. Um, so what's the biggest threat to the CCP today? He says, China has always been an authoritarian regime, but is now turning into a one-person dictatorship. And that is fundamentally dangerous, as anybody within the system is trying to win favor with Xi to sing his tune. And a dictator gets blinded and makes stupid mistakes. That dictatorship is a risk because Xi has intentionally wiped out all possible successors. And if something happens, a hard tax, say, or someone puts a bullet in him, or he is incapacitated for an extended period, what happens then? His purge over the last ten years has been brutal. The system wasn't prepared for it, which is one of the reasons she could build himself into a dictatorship, because the system wasn't prepared for somebody to come in and be that ruthless. But now the system has experienced it. If something were to happen to him, the risk to the whole of China would be tremendous. There would be a lot of people saying, well, I've got to go for the throne, because if I don't get it, my outcome is brutal. And he goes into a little more detail about that. But, um, you know, if there's a takeaway from this, I would suggest it is that uh, any prediction that China is going to become the world power, eclipse the United States, etc., is on very thin ice. For the reasons he explains, um, and he explains them pretty well as an insider. Not to mention China's enormous demographic problems. They're, they are age. They are such an old society and aging quickly. The uh, commies are begging them to have more babies to overcome that uh, that horrific one child policy, but people aren't going for it. Um, I hope I live long enough to see, you know, what actually develops as this century progresses with China, because I can't imagine a more interesting story. Well, we'll return to domestic shores. A lot of good stuff to talk about. Uh, crime victims are getting fed up with the Marxist DAs in big cities. That and more. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.